Welcome to Hoosier Ag This Week. Stick around for the next 30 minutes or so to hear the latest news from Indiana's most important industry, agriculture. I'm farm broadcaster Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today, ready to recap a wonderful week in Westfield, Indiana at Grand Park for the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo. We had over 115 exhibitors there to show off the latest and greatest equipment and technology for the farm. We also had several seminar speakers that you'll hear from on today's program. You'll also hear grain market analysis with our Andy Eubank and StoneX Chief Commodities Economist Arlen Suderman and Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin has the latest Indiana farm forecast. Speaking of Ryan, he was one of the featured speakers at this week's Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo presented by AgriFinancial and Reynolds Farm Equipment. He spoke with our C.J. Miller about what the spring might look like for farmers. Ryan, looking ahead to spring of 2023, what are your forecast models showing you in terms of precipitation for Indiana? Well, let's divide this uh, two ways. First of all, what the global models that are putting together right now, it suggests that we're going to be wetter through the first part of the winter, January, February, and, and March, even into early spring. And then we turn a little bit drier later April and into May. That's the consensus out of the world models, the global models right now. Uh, the model that I've developed in-house says a little bit differently. And so I'm actually leaning toward a forecast pattern that is drier than normal, maybe a good 30, 40, 50% below normal on precipitation for that January, February, March timeframe. And then we turn it around and we get a pretty active month of April, which would bring some good precipitation, maybe above normal, before we kind of dry things back out. Overall, the pattern for spring planting and coming out of winter, I think, is a little bit drier than normal. It would be an extension of what we're dealing with right now. And chatting with Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, in terms of temperatures, what are the models showing you that we could be seeing this spring for heat? Well, once again, I think the global models, and these are, are going to get what's a lot of airplay out there, whether it's on social media or, or just market watchers, the global models are suggesting we are warm. We are above normal. I, again, I don't think that we're that warm. I think as we go through the winter, we're going to see a fairly normal to slightly above normal temperature pattern here nearby. It could promote a decent amount of snow through the January, February timeframe. But once we get into spring, April, May, June, I'm expecting temperatures to be a good three to 5% above normal. That's gonna get us in the field, I think a little sooner. The risk of late frost this year, I think is minimal, 40% at best. I know this past year we had a lot of rain and delayed planting, but it doesn't look like that could be the case here this spring. The way things are looking to me right now, no, I don't have a big fear about major planting delays. Uh, to me, it comes down to what kind of snow melt do we have? Uh, what kind of snow do we get to melt? And how does the soil profile freeze up this year? Do we have a hard, deep freeze so we're greasy for a while or not? Other than that, I think we're in a pretty decent uh, starting point right now. I think that we're actually going to be looking at a large-scale, uh, decent planting window probably sometime late April into early May. But, you know, CJ... That's pretty close to normal. I'm not going to step too far away from that. Again, that's Hoosier Ag Today Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin giving C.J. Miller his long-term weather outlook. We'll get his more near-term Indiana Farm forecast coming up in just a little while here on the weekend show. Indiana Farm Bureau Vice President Kendall Culp stopped by the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo this week to discuss the advocacy efforts underway for the organization and also their annual state convention that kicked off on Thursday and ran through Saturday at the JW Marriott in downtown Indianapolis. 
Culp said they had a great program put together this year for attendees and even tried something a little bit different this year. On Friday, we have something new this year where we've put a, we call it the AgriConnect conference together and we've invited in a lot of our industry partners, a lot of agribusinesses, cooperatives and folks in ag retail around the state to come in. So we have a program specifically for them to talk about the, the finances of agriculture, supply chain disruptions, what land prices are doing. So we have a lot of experts coming in. Culp says the annual convention marks the end of their program year and gives them an opportunity to reflect on their successes. We recognize county farm bureaus for the projects they've done, the work they've done. Um, we'll have membership awards for those um, counties and volunteers that have promoted Farm Bureau memberships as well. And then, of course, we have our Young Farmer and Ag Professional contest as well. So we'll have the discussion meet, and that's where young farmers will discuss and debate agricultural issues. That's really a popular one. And then we'll highlight and announce the winner of our Achievement Award, which is our farmers age 35 and up under that have had really great involvement on their farm and in their communities. The Indiana Farm Bureau annual convention concludes Saturday with their delegate session and vice president election. Hoosier Ag Today will be there. We'll have more news from the event coming next week on your local hat station. Let's turn our attention now to the markets. It's been another up and down week for the grain markets. And with analysis, let's welcome in Andy Eubank. Thank you, Eric. And the end of the week, trade was relatively flat and we finished mixed. Numbers coming up. First, market analysis. For that, I checked in late in trade with Arlen Suderman of StoneX. Arlen, an odd day. We have very little movement in the dollar index, but uh, with inflation fears seeming to be at the forefront, a lot of markets are under severe pressure, equities in particular, for a second day. The crude oil market is down, and you have to say the grain and oil seed markets, corn, wheat, soybeans, not a bad reaction to what's happening elsewhere overall. Yeah, overall, these markets are pretty much range-bound right now in the grain and oil seed sector within the ranges. For soybeans, that happens to be a good thing, and that is supported by some fundamental strength. We do have drought continuing in Argentina, kind of moving its way up into southern Brazil a little bit, into Paraguay, and we have Chinese buying. That Chinese buying is probably going to be with us for a few more weeks. That means on the price breaks they're buying. The bad news is, is this uptrending channel is running up against a pretty good ceiling, and that's at 1490 basis of January contract. So far, we've been unable to push through it. We got a little support today from the soy mill futures with some good demand as well. But overall, this is a market just kind of firming up against the ceiling there. Corn and wheat range bound in a different way in channels that are longer term going lower. So we go up and down within that channel. And with the negativity we saw in the outside markets today, that kind of met to the downside today, testing the lower side of those channels, trading recession fears, which to the market means lost demand because of people having less income to spend. A lot of outside pressure, but are the grains and oil seeds simply weathering the storm? Well, to some extent, they're weathering the storm right now. But when you look longer term, there is a tendency, a trend, and trends are made to be broken, as I've been saying over the last few weeks. But there is that tendency to firm in the month of December, particularly between Thanksgiving and Christmas and sometimes even into the new year. This is one of those years when we've largely been going contrary to that 
because there's so much negativity on Wall Street among these fund managers that they simply look at those supply and demand fundamentals through a different colored lens than what they would ordinarily. Arlen Suderman with us. You mentioned Chinese buying. Just how good has that been here recently? Yeah, it's been really good overall. We've actually shipped a few more soybeans to China this year than we did last year, and that's largely because of a lack of alternatives because they had so many weather problems in South America last year. And so they have come here, even though they've reduced their overall import significantly this year because they didn't like paying the prices and they didn't like buying from the United States. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX and StoneX.com. Final numbers on Friday, down a half cent on March corn, 653. May, a quarter point lower, 653 and a half. Very quiet there. Beans did pop a little higher. January ends the day at 1480, a gain of six and a half cents. March up seven cents, 1483 and three quarters. And March wheat, 753 and a half off three and three quarters. The protein sector was positive all day long. February live cattle ending at 155.77, up 92. Strong in the hog market. Feb, 85.77, up $4.12. And that's the market review portion of the weekend show. I'm Andy Eubank. This is Who's Your Ag This Week. Solar energy now provides electricity at costs lower than traditional energy sources, like coal. Hoosiers know that renewable energy has a positive impact on local communities because it creates good jobs and provides tax revenue for public projects like schools, roads, community centers, and high-speed internet to rural Indiana. Solar energy can mean a huge win for our communities. Learn more at HoosiersForRenewables.com. Seeing a pattern shift to more winter-like weather, but the biggest shift is still yet to come. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Weekend Weather Outlook. Here's what's going on across the nation's midsection on through the Corn Belt. The weekend shaping up not too badly. We have a cutoff area, very slow-moving area of low pressure going out of Wisconsin across Michigan here today. We'll lift up into southern Ontario tomorrow. That's creating a good wraparound batch of moisture. Good lake effect set up in Michigan right now. And we're going to keep an eye out for some clouds and maybe the odd flurry or two trying to sneak down into northern Indiana at times. But most of the action here for this weekend is on a westerly wind flow. It's chilly, but we're seeing a mix of clouds and sunshine. We get uh, mixed clouds and sunshine in here to start next week as well, Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, we definitely see a slight bit of temperature moderation. Temperatures here the next few days, normal to below normal. We get back to near normal temperatures, maybe even a bit above on Wednesday. However, then we open the door to what I want to call an Arctic Express kind of air mass. I don't call it the Polar Express. It's Christmas season. We get in trouble if we do that. But you get the idea. We're opening the doors to the Arctic, and this air is rushing right down in. Strong frontal complex coming through likely overnight Wednesday night through Thursday. Its calling cards will be threefold. First of all, we do have precipitation. Now, I, at this point, I'm not overly thrilled with the amounts uh, we're looking anywhere from a tenth to probably half an inch with this system right now liquid equivalent 
But the second thing is going to be gusty winds. It's going to be nasty windy as this front comes through. And third, the reason why it's windy is because there is a huge change in air mass. Temperatures are going to plummet. We're looking at a very frigid set of weather conditions in here as we finish out this upcoming week and go through the Christmas holiday weekend. Let's go back to the precipitation. I said liquid equivalent. I feel that it's going to be predominantly snow on Thursday that comes through here, and I do mean accumulating snow at this point. Now, it's not going to be over the top, but remember, we're talking very gusty winds, so there's going to be some blowing and drifting. The late week travel might be a little bit slick. That being said, you get into Christmas Eve on Saturday, Christmas Day on Sunday. Travel there should not be problematic. Yes, it is very cold, but it will not be problematic on travel. If I'm right about precipitation coming as snow, we are definitely going to be cold enough that that snow doesn't go anywhere. For all of you that are looking for and wanting a white Christmas, you may actually end up getting your wish this year. We'll have to see. Lots can change, but uh, the models have been fairly strong and fairly keen on keeping this system together. I think right now it just comes down to track of the front itself, timing, and what kind of winds develop. The air mass is definitely well below normal all the way through that week to finish out the year. I'm Ryan Martin. Everyone wants energy independence, reliability, and security. Most Hoosiers see solar as a homegrown energy source that is clean, reliable, and affordable. Solar energy strengthens our communities by providing millions of dollars for local needs, while farmers and landowners receive stable, long-term benefits. Our path to energy independence is through renewable energy. Learn more at HoosiersForRenewables.com. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm Eric Pfeiffer from Hoosier Ag Today, and we've got the latest news in Indiana and U.S. agriculture. And as we've mentioned, the big news from Indiana agriculture came from Westfield, Indiana, this past week in Grand Park, where we had the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo. It was a great week. We had great exhibitors, great attendance, and great seminars, free seminars for folks to take in. On Tuesday, the opening day of the show, we really focused in on technology. It was headlined by Indiana Ag Tech Company Intellinair and also Chad Colby from TV's This Week in Agribusiness. When Colby thinks about talking to farmers about their technology, he says it's about pushing some of them out of their comfort zone. When you ask the group of people how many have automation in their combines and you got 100 people or 150 stand there and three people raise their hand, that means there's opportunity. And the same way with the smartphones, we all had a laugh when I asked how many people have a button on their iPhone, and there were a lot. Well, when you see the information in black and white and have a discussion about why you should consider upgrading, makes you feel like you need to stop at the Verizon store after you leave the show here today. But the reality is that's what these shows are for. They're for learning, and you guys have a lot of great opportunities here. It's not just me that are speaking. you got a full schedule of other speakers as well. It's more than just seeing good equipment here. When Colby talks to farmers about technology, he likes to break it into two types of technology. The practical kind, you know, phones, drones, that type of thing that you can use right now on your farm. And then he likes to talk about disruptive technology, things that maybe you don't have yet, but will cause a lot of change on the farm. And he says that's primarily automation which he says is the future of agriculture. Labor is the biggest challenge, and if we can use automation, and I don't mean jumping to 
John Deere's fully autonomous tractor. I'm talking about maybe buying the option for automation in your next combine. Or maybe you get that new phone that's got some, some more features built in it that saves you some time. Maybe it's a new lawnmower because yours is 10 years old and you need some new technology. Or as you mentioned, a sprayer drone, whatever it might be on your farm, automation for your grain dryer. It could be anything. I think the part of it is today is you got to plan more than ever, but you got to find that weak link on your operation. And events like this allow guys a chance to, to think a little bit about where that next investment of money needs to go on their farm. If you couldn't make it to this year's Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo, we're certainly sorry you couldn't make it. We had a great time. Our exhibitors did too, as well as the seminar speakers. But we will be bringing you news from the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo here over the coming weeks. And we will be talking more about it here on the weekend show as well. Let's turn our attention now, though, to the Farm Bill, where the issue of climate change is already causing temperatures to rise in the nation's capital. The way Indiana native and former USDA Deputy Secretary Chuck Connor sees it. I believe that this Farm Bill that we're debating in 2023 will need to be able to carry a label as the most climate friendly bill that we have ever passed in the Congress in terms of agriculture. However, incoming House Ag Chair Glenn G.T. Thompson sees it a bit differently. We don't need a climate change title in the Farm Bill. And I'll be honest with you, what we need to do is give credit to the American ranchers, farmers, foresters for what they do. You know, for too long, there's been a bullseye right on the back of all these uh, these families that work so hard to provide us food and fiber. This says climate criminal. But if there's anything farm leaders agree on, it's conservation in incentives, not dictates. Former Farm Service Agency Chief Jonathan Coppice. Let the innovators compete. Let them go after it and do what they want. It's not one size fits all. It gives them a shot to do it. We're not going to sort of shoehorn a climate change set of policies across the entire space. What we're talking about is really the option at the farm level. And if you want to go chase the climate market, here's a backstop to help you do so. The Inflation Reduction Act has some $16 billion for conservation programs like EQIP, CSP, and RCCP. But Coppice says it's not free money. This would, would require eliminating some of the spending from the Inflation Reduction Act as an offset because we increase spending somewhere else. Coppice admits the final decision is up to the Congressional Budget Office, while Connor predicts a, quote, heavy, heavy lift for the next farm bill, even without the climate debate. Farm Bureau is encouraging those in rural America to check the work of the FCC. The Federal Communications Commission recently released the national broadband map. Emily Buckman is Farm Bureau's Government Affairs Director, and she says the new map displays specific location-level information regarding broadband services availability. Which is a huge step from where we used to be, where broadband data availability was based off of census block level data. American Farm Bureau was a strong proponent of the Broadband Data Act, which essentially led the way to this new, more granular map so that folks can see where and who is getting broadband service. And Buckman encourages people in rural areas to verify the accuracy of the map. So the public is able to view the map at broadbandmap.fcc.gov, search for their address, and can see if their information about fixed and mobile services 
that was submitted by internet providers is actually accurate. It's pretty simple. You just take a look at the map on the website, type in your address, and you can see what was reported as far as from providers. And Buckman says we need the map to be accurate because it's going to determine federal funding opportunities. Folks are able to take a look at the map through January 13th, and that is when the FCC would like to have any challenges submitted by. I can't stress enough how important it is to take a look at the map to see if it is in fact accurate because federal funding will be targeted based off of those areas most in need and this map will determine where those dollars will be going. Again, the website to view the map is broadbandmap.fcc.gov. Indiana Senators Todd Young and Mike Braun were among a bipartisan group of senators who sent a letter to the United States Trade Representative and the U.S. Department of Agriculture expressing concern over Mexico's efforts to ban U.S. genetically engineered corn. In 2020, Mexican President López Obrador issued a presidential decree that Mexico would phase out the use of genetically modified corn by January 31, 2024. The letter says Mexico's ban would run afoul of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Trade Agreement, or the USMCA. You can read more on this and find other farm news at HoosierAgToday.com. Stick around. We've got more farm news on the way here on The Weekend Show. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and this is Hoosier Ag This Week. For generations, Indiana farmers have grown crops to supply our country. Now, a new crop is on the horizon, solar power. A huge majority of Hoosiers support the right of farmers to use their land as they please. And all across Indiana, more than 120 renewable energy projects are sprouting. Solar energy also helps us stay energy independent, generating electrons right here on Hoosier soil. Learn more at HoosiersForRenewables.com. Here's your holiday reminder that it's just about time to put out the milk and cookies for my big night. Ho, ho, ho! That's right. Just take a picture of the milk and cookies that you leave out for Santa and post it to Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the hashtag SantaDrinksMilk. Use all your social media and be sure you tag at INDairy along with hashtag SantaDrinksMilk. Now let's see those pics with hashtag Santa drinks milk. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome back to Hoosier Ag This Week. I'm CJ Miller with Hoosier Ag Today. Well, a cold front may be coming Christmas weekend, which means it may be well below freezing for several straight days. And when it gets that cold, your diesel engines may not be working so well. I know temperatures aren't quite as cold right now, but winter operability all will be at the forefront of your minds. And that's Mike Bradley with Country Mark. When diesel fuel gets below freezing, wax crystals can form, which puts pressure on your fuel filter, making it more difficult to start. But Mike has a few tips to help prevent that this winter. Number one, check your tanks to see if you have any moisture content. One of the biggest things that we find is that there's moisture inside of those tanks. When the winter months hit, it leads to icing. The second one is understanding that diesel fuel stratifies. And what that means is if you have summer fuel on the bottom of your tank and you're adding winter diesel fuel on top of that, it'll stratify. It'll continue to suck down the summer diesel fuel until you get to your winter. So we always pre 
reach a two-tank turn. And then thirdly, if you happen to be a Countrymark consumer of fuel products, our winter operability, we're typically at a three-degree cloud, and we get 15 numbers of operability with our premium diesel X4 ProFlow winter blend, which would take you to a minus 12. We also have a second option for winter operability, which is our premium diesel X4 with ProFlow Extreme, which gives you another two numbers of operability and gets you around to that negative 14 operability number. Mike says Country Mark's new premium diesel X4 with ProFlow improves power and performance during the harsh winter months. So we went back to the drawing board probably 10 months ago and looked at how do we make our product even better? What's the most important thing in a diesel fuel? And it's cleanliness and cleanliness is detergency. So we went back and we reformulated our detergent additive and ProFlow performs better in biodiesel or B0. And as we try to continue to be the leader in the diesel fuel market, we felt like we had to do better for our customers. Read more about Country Mark's new premium diesel X4 with ProFlow at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, Plevna Implement Company isn't just a family-owned company based in Indiana that sells and services Massey Ferguson and Fent Farm Equipment. They've also been serving Indiana farmers now for more than three quarters of a century. You know, this is a business built around relationships. And that's Kent Schrock, president of Plevna Implement Company, which is based in Kokomo. It was Kent's grandfather and great uncle who first started their family business. Plevna Implement has been around for 77 years. My grandfather and his brother came back from World War II from the Aleutian Islands and uh, wanted to start a tractor dealership. They became an Oliver dealer in 1945. At the time, there was a tractor dealership every eight miles. So times have definitely changed. Kent is now the third generation to own and manage Plevna Implement Company. My grandfather was a mechanic by trade and he loved working on the machinery. My father came into the dealership in uh, 79 and really got the sales rocking and rolling and really built the dealership in Kokomo. And today we uh, we have three locations, Kokomo, Napanee, Indiana, and our newest uh, location in Auburn, Indiana. Most of all, Kent says that Plevna Implement Company is more than a family-owned business. He says they also treat their customers like family as well. We love building that relationship with the growers. We want to know their farm. We want them to experience our service. It's not just a task that we complete. It's a feeling that we deliver in our service. And um, we want to be a part of their operation that is integral to their success. You can hear my full interview with Kent Schrock and read more about Plevna Implement Company at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, drone usage on the farm continues to grow in popularity. Eric Pfeiffer has the story. Drones have been around for a while now on many farms. You know, helping them scout, take some fun pictures and videos and things like that. That's Randy Oberly with FlyingAg.com. He says drones still do those things but can now do so much more. At the Indiana Farm Equipment and Technology Expo this week, Oberly had the new DJI T40 sprayer drone on display. The size of the drone with its 18-inch long blades provided a wow factor for attendees. You know, we can get better penetration with fungicides, and that's probably the biggest application is, is fungicide, namely on corn, especially with tar spot, and understanding that if it's wet, we can't get a, a Hagee or a high boy through the field. You know, now it, something has to be done from aerial. With fungicide applications becoming more commonplace for growers, aerial applicators have been difficult to come by in a timely manner the past couple of years. That's why Oberly says growers are taking a serious look at these spray drones. When corn went from $4 to $7, $8, well, there's a lot more value out in the field that we're trying to protect. And so it's, 
yeah, you know, a lot of the aerial application services have got to the point where they're a week, two weeks out, you know, if you weren't scheduled ahead. So having the ability to go in and do it yourself, you know, is starting to really resonate with guys. And Auberly says this drone is for all corn growers, regardless of the size of your farm. You know, this drone, for example, is it's about $28,000 in that ballpark. And maybe you're a small grower. That's a lot of money per acre, but maybe it makes sense to go in with your neighbor or a couple neighbors you know, and, and put a system together to do that. You can get more information at flyingag.com. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. Thank you, Eric. Well, that does it for this week's edition of Hoosier Ag This Week. Have a great weekend. For Andy Eubank, Eric Pfeiffer, and Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin, I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's leading farm network.